I'm back. Let's go. Episode 30. Another even number. Episode 30 of the Chirp STL podcast. Kel's on the mic. Toss it over to Mark. Marky, how we doing? You and, uh, well, I'll wait on that. Marky, how we doing? You know, we're, we're doing all right. So some big developments in the roller world today and over the weekend. But hey, it's uh, it's been a pretty, pretty decent little stretch here. So yeah, I'm doing good. Toss it over to Sammy K. Sammy is also potentially involved in this in this roller news. Sammy, how are we? Boys, how are we? Glad to be here. Uh, you know, just uh, another day in the office, you know, just uh, getting her done. How it's are big, we? Big office guy now. You know, you're, you're there. You've been, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, you've, you've gone under the, the wings of, you followed the route of every Lindenwood roller hockey player by getting a job at State Farm. Love yes, it. yes, I have. If you and honestly, play, it's working out really well for me. You gotta love it. Yeah. If you play roller hockey at Lindenwood, you work at one of two places. You either work at Soa State Farm or Madison Square Garden. That's some it. do both. Some do both. <laughs> but those are those are the staples. I almost said except does both. I almost said except Cody Page, but he's also just the biggest face of tour hockey as well as uh uh, he did work at State Farm for a very at, short amount yes, of time. <laughs> I can't rule. I can't rule him out. Uh, but what I was gonna say before, I, while I was introing Mark, big uh, Echo Tournament champions here. We got Mark and Sam. Let's Ooh. go. Yeah, probably what, we were playing for happy beers, and we got them. Yes, we did. That was that was a fun time, man. A couple, a real nice comeback. Oh. Mark, you want me to talk about the comeback real quick? Just oh. a little. Oh, come back. Bits and pieces. Decent. So, I mean, hey, we're playing our... At the aforementioned Madison Square Garden. At at the barn. Exactly. And uh, so we're playing playing a very good hockey team at Carshield. And last two times we played, it didn't go very well. A little 9-2-L, a little 5-2-L. But we're moving past that. Uh, We're down three cob. Three minutes left. Uh, You know what? Let's yank Marky early. Okay. Fair. We fucking battle back. Score three goals in a minute. Big Joe Fordyce with tying goal. A race tipped the puck somehow in front of that. ZJ crashing. That's how he tucked all three. Overtime. Overtime, not shit happened. Went to a shootout. Big five-round shootout. Ended up getting the dub. That was semifinals. Moved on to the final. Took care of business in that one. 2-1. And then happy beers. That was like our Soviet game. It really was. It really was. We that was that kind of felt like our championship game. Dude, no we way were, we were losing the finals after oh, that. Oh, no. People are going to forget about happy beers because, you know, they're all always going to remember the semifinal game. They really will. Yeah. People do forget about that semifinal game. They shouldn't, but they do. I have not. No, I won't. Actually. Fair. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty decent little... Uh, Pretty decent. In the in the wise words of Tom Ratliff, we design our teams to win tournaments. No one cares about. I, I love, love it. it. Yeah, I love it. That is uh, the the uh, we the country puck, if you will. And there's a new name for that now, is there not? There is another development today. Uh, big uh, big old like so the team me and uh, me and Sam were playing with this weekend, and a bunch of our boys from All American now sponsored by Tour Hockey. So Tour Country Puck is the thing. Pretty fucking. Pretty fucking nuts, but we're getting some new J's, some pants, all that jazz. It's gonna be these. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be these. Nice little, nice little promo code probably coming your way too. That'll Ooh, work. 
just my just my that'll work well on the blues front uh lot to unpack here we got news in the loo here to start things off uh we'll touch on alex petrangelo obviously jim montgomery bill armstrong a few other things um you'll want to stick around we have guest alex ferrario from 101 espn he is uh from the uh show ribs and bk um during the day and then he's also the blues pre and post game host um on the radio station 101 espn um, and then after the interview, we'll do a little bit of around the league. And then um, we announced this on Twitter already, but, you know, we'll go over the uh, the Blues jersey that we gave away, who we gave it away to. And uh, a little bit of controversy there because, fuck. Apparently, our Ryan O'Reilly jersey is a fucking hot commodity. Yeah, what, what? is that? <laughs> not, the, not the hot commodity part because, obviously, look at the guy. But, I mean, how can you not find an authentic 90, Jay? Let's let's think ahead here and make some fucking extra ones. That's our that's the guy. That's the the weird fine. part is is we are like over a year off of the cup. I understood it last year when yeah. like oh shit we just won the cup. Like everybody wanted a J with the patch on it. You know, authentic. Keep it going. Hundred oh, percent. So sorry if you can fucking hear my dog. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to dive into stuff, things going on in the Lou here. We'll start it off. Obviously, the big news over this past weekend, Alex Petrangelo and the Blues have, for now at least, broken off contract talks, and he appears to be heading for free agency. Uh, it's kind of a mutual decision um, as they've really you know, not made any progress. Um, I believe the most recent offer he was given was somewhere around $8 million. 7.7 to 8, somewhere in there. Um, and then uh, I think he did end up getting, you know, close to the term he's looking for also in an offer, like that six to eight year range. But, you know, um, as Darren Dreger is reported today, the biggest issues here is going to be structure of the deal. And um, what I mean by that is signing bonus money. He's, I think, looking for a lot of signing bonus money in his deal uh, and low salary, kind of like Ryan O'Reilly's contract is structured. However, Doug Armstrong has never negotiated a deal with signing bonus money involved. So not his style. It's kind of tough. But what that does is it protects players against um, lockouts. They'll still get paid through that because they have to. Um, and then, or, you know, and then um, escrow as well. I don't know a ton about escrow, but I know it helps him in that. I don't think they pay escrow on it. So um there's a reason that players want it now, and a lot of contracts are structured that way nowadays. Shout out Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, what do we think about this? I got some thoughts. Let's, Fucking, hear let's hear them. Well, you are looking to be, I mean, there's nothing concrete here. Things are going to change by the day, but you are looking more like you're leaning. I mean, things are swaying in your favor here of, of being correct about this. I got that old team you built. Sitting right here on my uh, my. Well, we don't need to go over that again. Right. All right, oh, we know, know where he's staying. Saying, I wanted to take a look at it now that we're in this situation. You know, it's every day that we come closer to the to the period where Alex Petrangelo might not be a blue, like officially a free agent on the market for other teams to pick up. It's just like, man, you know, I kind of said it jokingly two years ago, like, yeah, the Blues just aren't going to sign Petrangelo, and then. A year goes by, we win a Stanley Cup. I'm like, okay, well, that's out the fucking door. Like, obviously, we're going to sign him. Nope, not even a little bit. We trade for Justin Falk, sign him for seven years immediately. And I'm like, okay, it's happening. And, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy the way it works. Before we get Mark's take on this, uh, I do want to throw in this JR snippet. He said on the radio today, he said that, uh, you know, I, you know, this could be 
exaggerated a little bit, but but apparently, you know, people in other front offices around the league are, are shaking their heads at the Blues right now because they haven't been able to get a deal done with a, a guy who uh, just finished fourth in the Norris Trophy voting, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. You know, how much more, you know, will he ever get into that top three? Will he ever be a finalist? Will he, will he ever win it on the, you know, backside of 30? Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit with Alex and later in the episode, Alex Ferrario. But, uh, Mark, what do we think here? But yeah. just just to keep in mind, you know, this does not rule out a contract with, with the Blues. It's just, hey, it kind of feels a little bit like Steven Stamkos. Like, yep. hey, go to the market. Um, we'll, yeah. see, we'll potentially be in touch later. Yeah, that kind of example was another thing we talked with uh, uh, Mr. Ferrario about. But, uh I mean, just with the way this whole thing's been going, just, I mean, obviously, like, the Falk thing, Falk signing that Sammy mentioned, I mean, that was, that the writing was kind of starting to get onto the wall a little bit, but, I mean, this, this was just kind of a thing that you just thought was always going to work out, uh, especially after the Jake move. After the Jake trade, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, we're, we're cleaning house. Here it comes. Like, I was expecting, like, another trade to happen, like, within the next two days, like a Bozak move or something like that. Nothing happened. Uh, articles started to come out about how he was not, how Petrangelo was not happy um, with how the discussions were going and where they were headed um, and the structure of the deals and everything. And there was a rumor that if it wasn't for his wife being from here, he would, he damn near would already been, already would, already would declare to go to free agency. Um, so, I mean, essentially, I mean, whatever happens, happens to be completely honest with you. Like, I mean, I, I mean, either way, I think we're still, we're still going to be a top contending team. Does having a top five uh, defenseman in the league help? I mean, absolutely. But I mean, you'll have, some, you'll have a little extra room to play with here money-wise to maybe pursue something in the top six forward department. You'll have to make another move. I would assume uh, even the current situation that we're in as a, uh, Another thing I saw on Twitter, they were actively pursuing trying to sign Vince Dunn, and that could be in the high $4 billion range per NHL rumors daily. That guy has been fucking buzzing on Twitter. Uh, so I'll take his word for just about anything right now. Um, so if that's the case with the Vince Dunn contract and we want to do something in the top six, we're definitely going to have to move another piece off. But writing's kind of on the wall. It doesn't look like, doesn't look like 27's coming back. You took uh, you mentioned Vince Dunn there, and uh, you know he did mention that it was going to be a team friendly deal. And you know you hear high fours, you're like team friendly. Fuck that, that ain't team friendly. That would be a one year deal. No, and that's what he said. He said yeah. you know in terms of term. So I would think maybe one year. I don't know. One year that or pro- maybe two. So then he's under contract because I mean expansion drafts coming up. So if you do two, well they have to be picked anyways for yeah. the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, to get their free agency rights. So I at mean, this boys at this point with the whole uh, I know we're talking about Don, but at this point with the Petrangelo thing, I don't think all I don't think either three of us would be shocked either way this plays out. Like if he hits the market and ends up signing somewhere else, like we we won't be shocked from where we are right now. But if he ends up staying. I also don't think we'll be that shocked because we always truly believed, like, yeah, at, at some point this is going to get done, which, like, it very well could happen. It's just it's a matter of time now. Over time, as time has passed, I've become much more neutral about this situation. I see both sides of the argument, and I'm pretty much okay with whatever happens. So, yeah, I like the same. thought of just trusting Doug Armstrong. You know, I feel like he hasn't really put us in that bad of situation. So when in doubt, just oh man, the takes were flowing oh on Doug Armstrong goodness. on Friday. They were brutal. I mean, there are people calling for his job. 
Literally, like if if Trangelo walks out the door, so should Doug. Literally, His job. What are you saying? <laughs> this guy has fleeced the league multiple times and brought us our first daily cup. Like he built the fucking roster to do it. I mean, so. you're gonna you're gonna hear the numbers, and you can you know this kind of goes into Bill Armstrong also. But I mean, Alex gives some good numbers on you know we also have probably been the team that drafts the best over the last decade. Oh, who's our GM? Oh. I don't know. Maybe Doug Armstrong. So it's not even just about trading. He has been able to manage this team in a mid-level market, and they've always spent to the cap. You know, that's more of a credit to Tom Stillman. But, I mean, what do you want him to do? Like, he, oh, no, we didn't win the cup every year now. It's like, come on now. Let's fucking relax. Like, yeah. you got to put your team in a good situation for the present and the future, and he's always done a great job of that. And we have good that we have youth on the back end when it comes to prospects. We have promising guys back there. So, I mean, I mean, are they going to be Alex Petrangelo? Probably fucking not, but still going to have a solid-ass decor. I it's, don't know, man. I could see the ooh, Scott Prunovich is either going to be uh, – ooh, I need a floor guy for him. and it's. I just hate the about. ceiling that, like, some casual Blues fans like to throw out. Like, oh, we have the Scott Prunovich guy could be like a Quinn Hughes. That's not my ceiling I see for Scott Perunovich. I see no. him as more of just like an offensive guy. I really don't have someone in mind right now, but by the end of the show, I'm sure I'll come up with someone. Maybe Tory Krug. I don't know. Yeah, like a Tory Krug. That's a really good one. Something like that. Even like because yeah. uh, Because I think Quinn Hughes is already better than Tory Krug. I mean. Yeah, he is. He is. And, dude, Tory Krug's been is in the past five seasons, he's like top six in scoring among defensemen. So, hey, fucking sign me up. I think Blues fans would agree with the Quinn over uh, Krug statement. Because we've, we've played them both, and who significantly took over at more times in the game. I don't think I need to answer that question. It was uh, It's overwhelming. All right, enough Petro talk for now. we got to save some for uh, the interview, but uh, I think this is very underrated news, and we do t- discuss a lot of this with Alex, but it's more of his takes. We're just giving our takes right now. Jim Montgomery, two-year deal to become an assistant uh, coach. He replaces Mark Savard on the staff. I would think he'll be on the bench. Um, I think he's going to run the power play. Andy Strickland tweeted that and, and kind of have an offensive role with the team. Um, you got to remember, I mean, this guy was just in the, you know, the head coach of, of the Dallas Stars who are in the Stanley Cup final earlier this year um, and unfortunately was was let go. He had some some personal uh, issues, some alcohol-related personal issues, and, you know, that's tough. But he, if you've heard him talk since, you know, he's come out and talked since the Blues have announced his hiring, um, I mean, the guy seems like he's he's found a brand-new life. He's full of energy and optimism and, and joy, and um, I think this could be a very big, uh, very big hire, um, not only because he's been a head coach before, but, I mean, look how the Dallas Stars played. I mean, they are the St. Louis Blues. They're the same exact fucking team. So I think he there's going to be little. He knows our team, too, from, you know, coaching against us for the last few years. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, little uh, – he's just going to step right in. There's going to be chemistry almost immediately, I, th- I would think. There's not like – it's this, this isn't like a deal or something where you sign a coach and he comes in and, like, he might be iffy to, like, maybe – get his name out there and like try to make his make his relationships with his players well known and stuff but I don't know it just it's really cool to see like his story and like just from where he came from and like you know to kind of be just a man about it and come out and talk about it and like talk about his issues and stuff that he's gone through and I mean it's this is not a deal that's gonna hurt you in the long term like this is something that can only 
make your team better, in my opinion. Like, we did lose Mark Savard and all this, and, and he was a nice piece to our team with the power play and stuff. But I know that Montgomery has uh, recent experience with the same things, especially special teams. So this is a deal that I love. I mean, this can only help the Blues in my eyes. Yeah, this guy was a hell of a coach in the NHL, at the, like being a head coach. And I, like you said, Sam, this is only something that's going to help the St. Louis Blues in the long run. I mean, guy won a hell of a lot of hockey games in Dallas, so. Excited to see where uh, where this goes with whole Chief. And guess and what? And guess what? He's probably not going to be a part of our organization very long, if I'm being quite honest. He'll probably become yeah, a head probably. coach by the end of his deal. And that's perfectly okay with me. And that's actually um, uh, the, what I want to see happen because he should be a head coach in the NHL. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. It's just, hey, we had to take care of some issues. And that's yeah, fine. If this, if this is what it takes for him to get back on track with how his life should be like properly going, I guess, Uh that's good. I mean, I'm glad this is a stop or one of the turning points for him, and hopefully, we can turn it around and uh, have a better season. I think I think it's a great deal. I love the move. Speaking of um, people within the Blues organization having a great deal of success, Bill Armstrong is now gone. Um, he's officially named GM of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, he will, however, not be allowed to participate in their draft, which will be upcoming next month. Um, actually, just in a few weeks here, now that we're um, you know into late September, he will not be allowed to participate in the draft. And because you know he's worked you know diligently over the last you know eleven, you know over a year really, um, you know in scouting and and gathering information for the Blues. I mean, it'd be a little fucked up if he took all of that information just to Arizona because he kind of knows you know what we're looking for, um, how we view players, a lot of that kind of stuff. So they mutually agreed he won't be participating in the draft. I think that's a great idea. Um, he's got a lot of work to do over there. Um, as far as the Blues draft go, Blues draft goes, uh, scout Tony Feltrin, who's been in the organization for a while, will run our draft, as well as uh, Danny Janelle. Janelle, don't know about that pronunciation, but hey, we're going to go with Janelle. Um I think it was just a matter of time, but this this could prove to be a a loss, you know, as as uh, Mr. Ferrario touches on, and um, he's a big part of this organization. Now, I think we do have a lot of internal options that that have known kind of how the Blues have operated over the last decade, and I won't be surprised if we uh, not necessarily don't miss a beat, but uh, turn out just fine on the other side of this. Well, I do think that Bill Armstrong has played a massive role in our success in the draft in particular. Like, I, I like, I'd like to think that his, his role in the draft is kind of split, you know, 50-50 with Doug Armstrong. And, like, they kind of make those decisions on what guys they like and where they should be taken, like, in the draft and, and all that stuff. So, being that Bill is gone, I mean, obviously we're, gr- we're glad for him that he gets a new chance to go be an actual general manager, be a the head general manager of a – pretty good team that's like yeah they are rebuilding but i mean there's they're just a few pieces away from being one of the elite teams of the league uh yeah i mean it's it's nice knowing that you still have doug armstrong and so he got to learn a couple tips i'm sure from bill in that whole drafting process and who like what would bill do you know what would bill do in this spot of the draft that's what that's what doug might be thinking this year so we're going to miss Bill because we are us three. I mean, we've just loved Bill. You know, that's been our guy the past two years. You How know? could you not? You watch him announce a draft pick and you oh. about get half hard. I mean, Jesus Christ. This hey, guy. He's up there for five seconds, too. Say, <laughs> blue select Robert Thomas. Done. Bye. <laughs>
of the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League. Thanks for coming. Bye. <laughs> it's so true, though. Everyone takes so goddamn long in those things. Fucking Bill just walks up. Yeah, I'd like to thank whoever for having us for the drafts. St. Louis Blues selecting Robert Thomas. See ya, bye. <laughs> Clearly it. But I mean, yeah, I'm class. That guy, like you said, it's been a, it's been a kind of just been a when is it going to happen, not if it's going to happen kind of thing for Bill. Like you kind of, for I mean, guy's been an unbelievable asset for the Blues. A pretty decent quote from old boy whenever he showed up in Arizona. Uh, I didn't come to the desert to get a tan. So, I mean, hey, guy's here for business. Guy's here to win some. I don't know if he needs a tan. Not. He's already fucking good looking. He doesn't need one, but <laughs> hey. Guy's going to do big things down there. But he does have a little bit of shit to deal with first with uh, the talks of Darcy Kemper circling through the uh, trade rumors as well as that Taylor Hall guy. The I last mean, you thing, left out their captain. The last oh, thing. Oh, yeah, him too. Fuck. Yeah. The last thing that men need in the Arizona area is for Bill Armstrong to have a killer tan. That is the last thing. <laughs> good for Bill. I'm seriously happy for him. I like I liked the landing spot personally. Oh, absolutely. Um, speaking of liking good landing spots, uh, Jacob Della Rose, a little bit of a, you know, happened about a week ago. Um, but Jacob Della Rose, one year, 700 grand. Love that. Actually is going to be uh, a savings for us against the cap, um, this year. Cause he made, you know, 900, I think 925 grand last year. So, I mean, obviously you're not saving a lot, but Hey, uh, a guy that can, that can be inserted into the lineup. He can play. 30 games for you sit in the press box for the rest of them he can play all the games for you he can play most of your games i mean he's he's not a guy that you know has to be in the lineup all all the time because you know he's just a plug and play kind of guy he's gonna stick to the system he's gonna fucking hit people he's gonna he's gonna kill penalties he's gonna block shots and that's what he's gonna do so i love this move cheap value high value signing here and um you know i love it I need to hear your guys' quick thoughts on it. We'll get into some more interesting stuff after this. I absolutely love it. I mean, again, how does this deal hurt you at all? 700K. And the cool thing is you could just tell he wants to be here, right? Like if you're taking a pay cut of what already wasn't that much money as compared to what other NHLers make, you're taking a pay cut to not even potentially not even play half the games this upcoming season. And you're just like a role guy. You come off the bench. I mean, that's cool as hell to see that he wants to be a part of a winning organization. And uh, cap cap off – or tip of the cap to Jacob Delarose for being such a class act and taking a, a team-friendly deal. I wish more guys on the team would do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I wonder who that was shouted out to. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't follow that up. Fucking fourth-line guy taking a big cut. Let's keep removing. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, uh, more positive news. I mean, I, I guess it's positive and negative. Uh, Vladdy Tarasenko did have his surgery done. Um, it went well per the GM, Doug Armstrong, and uh, his five-month timetable still looks good. So um, we should be seeing him, you know, maybe about a month or two into the season. So hopefully um, our scoring holds up until he comes back. And, and to be quite honest, fuck the scoring. Hopefully he just holds up. And uh, this time around, he'll be able to make a full recovery. Um, this news came out today. We are, the blues are loaning Klim Kostin to Avangard Omsk of the KHL. Uh, that is in Russia. For those of you who don't know, um, the KHL started already. So the earlier this month in September, September 3rd, and you know, Kostin will be eligible to return to the blues when 
this upcoming well i guess not upcoming the season's not over but when this coming season's uh training camp begins so i mean this is win-win let the guy get some games in especially a, a top prospect like he is in our system win-win i see nothing wrong with this this guy just needs a shot, man. He had just a tiny little bit of games that he played with the Blues this past year, and, and he showed he showed spots of where he can shine and the kind of player that he is, just a big power forward. You know, he's got that attitude. He's got that winning attitude, and he knows how to shoot the puck, that's for sure. We all saw it firsthand at the training camp, his first ever training camp with the Blues. It was an absolute clinic going bar down like three times in a row. you love to see it. You might have been a better, better skater than him, but, yeah, he definitely had a shot. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was something seeing him do the skating drills, but that was also because he was going right after like our other top prospects, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. I I think you've heard of those two guys. They might be good skaters, I don't know. But so it might have made him look a little bad, but I mean, we couldn't be more in on Clem Costa, am I right, guys? This guy this guy's going to get some more games before the real game start. You'll love to see it. Yeah, he's going to be playing professional hockey at arguably the second best professional league there is. Uh, so getting to play against the big boys for a little bit is definitely going to help the kid, and he'll probably be a force over there, to be honest. Like, I mean, he's going to make something happen over there. Would uh, not be shocked if he popped off. Even I mean, Dimitri Askin led the team or led the league in points, and I believe won MVP this past year. He did that. Yeah. He yeah. really did that. Yeah. So <laughs> b- b- former Blues players and current Blues players usually have a bit of a bit of success over there, apparently. I guess. So let's, we'll see what happens. But I don't uh, know. Didn't Yori Latera find a way to fizzle out of that league? Dude, like he went knows, over there, man. and I'm pretty sure he's already out of the league. That guy's but tied up know. in a few other things. So. Oh, that's been a while. You can't say that. Still, Yori needs to be better. Yeah, couldn't get away uh, from that guy. Yeah, Yori last year had 30 points in 51 games for St. Petersburg. He um, sucks. And, and he's playing this year. He has six points in four games for Moscow, which I believe is Putin's team. So it hey, definitely he's is, locked yeah. in. For, he's locked in for a championship this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last bit of information before we get throw things over to the interview. Uh, not Blues related necessarily, but absolutely Blues related at the same time. First of all, Joel Edmondson's rights were traded to Montreal uh, for a fifth-round pick where he agreed to a four-year deal worth $3.5 million a year. Love that for the big fucking guy. Paid. Yeah, that's a decent ticket you can uh, write home about. Um, And then they, him and his former teammate Jake Allen, love to see this because Jake Allen was talking about how he knows nobody on the team. Now he's got somebody. He's got one guy at least. They picked their numbers, though. Jake sticks with the Classic 34. By the way, he's going to have a disgusting setup. I can already tell you that uh, for the Canadians. No matter what, it's going to look some red and blue accents. <sighs> and Joel Edmondson with the greasiest goddamn number I've ever seen. 44, I fucking love. I love that so much, dude. I mean, this is the Jake Allen podcast right here, dude. Like, what are we going to – it still hasn't sit in, I don't think. Like, you're talking about their numbers and, and Edmondson's getting paid, which would never have happened in St. Louis. Love to see it for the guy. I mean, Jake Allen is our guy. I don't know who we're going to argue with on Twitter anymore about, about goalie situations in St. Louis. I just don't know because that was always like Blues fans' kryptonite as to – what is going on in the actual with with the actual team and not just like in front of the cage, you know? So uh yeah, it's bittersweet news to hear him picking picking their uh jerseys and stuff and uh wishing them the best, that's for sure. I love the forty four pick out of Eddie. So decent. A nice tribute to former Montreal Canadian Nate Thompson. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking beauty. It fucking didn't uh, uh who am I thinking of? Sheldon Sure? Didn't he wear fours? 
Yes. Yeah, there we go. There's that guy, one. apparently, I've heard him on two different podcasts now, I think. That guy fucks anything that walks, I'm pretty sure. And by that, I mean he has his pick of the litter. Like, he is Doesn't like... surprise me. Just... Bug zapper? I mean, absolutely. So, um... Good but, for him. Anyways, I think we've talked long enough about our opinions. Let's get a, a verified opinion. A, um... A guy that does this for a living's opinion. Um, Alex Ferrario. Hope you guys enjoy. We touched on a lot of the same things that we just talked about. Um, he goes a little bit more in depth and gives a little bit more insight um, than, than we just did. So, Alex Ferrario, here he is. Now, welcoming on to the Chirp STL podcast, we have the Blues pre- and post-game show host on 101 ESPN for the St. Louis Blues games, as well as a co-host of Rivs and BK in the early afternoon time slot on 101 ESPN, Alex Ferrario. Alex, how's it going with no Blues hockey games to cover? Uh, it's good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting with you. Um, you know, it's it's weird, uh, the the twenty. 20 I guess 1920 season and I know everyone said that it's weird and unfortunate but uh, it was strange the way that the season was rolling and you felt like you had a chance again at the cup and then of course the the pause and no hockey and then hockey right away and uh, only a couple of weeks of it so it definitely left left the taste buds open for more hockey so I'm looking forward to uh to the next season when we get to hit the ice but uh, it's been good so far without hockey it's been a fun uh, playoff run with these teams in it and both sides represented by St. Louis. So it's been exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And of course we didn't get much of an off season of the blues and blues related news have been cranking off pretty quick here. Uh, the last few weeks. Well, first things first, we're, we're, we're going to ignore the, the big headline from, from this past weekend to start because we'll, we'll eventually get into that, but right off the hop, we, we have Jim Montgomery. His personal issues in, in Dallas have been well-documented. We don't really need to touch on that. But, but Doug Armstrong gives him a second chance as an assistant here in St. Louis uh, for on a two-year deal. What are your thoughts on this move? And do you see this kind of being a big upside move? I definitely see this being a, a big upside move. And, you know, it's, it's interesting you guys said that, you know, you don't need to talk about the personal issues. But, you know, I've had the chance to, to hear – Jim Montgomery talked a couple of times, one with the media and the other with our show on 101 ESPN, and he's been very open and honest about it. And you respect that about somebody who's gone through what he's gone through because, frankly, guys, if, if he wouldn't have suffered from what he suffered with alcohol abuse that he has been open with, he'd still be a head coach right now in the NHL and the Dallas Stars behind the bench. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy um, route of circumstances of what – got Jim Montgomery to this point, but, you know, it's well noted that he's a former St. Louis Blue. He's talked about how St. Louis is a place that's very meaningful to him because, of course, he played here, his wife is from here, and he wanted a fresh start. He had no looks of going back into the NHL. It just kind of happened where Doug Armstrong called him. So, you know, I think that's an interesting way to start that because, you know, we may not feel like it's worth talking about, but I love the fact that Jim Montgomery's talking about it because he's putting that conversation out there. But to answer your question, it's a huge move for the Blues because, as I stated, Jim Montgomery is still behind a bench if he doesn't go through what he's gone through in Dallas. So to be able to add that weapon to a team that lost Mark Savard for this upcoming season is huge. Now, I know Mark Savard was a power play specialist, and he helped the team to the third-best power play in the league 
Um, but Jim Montgomery's a guy who has helped the Dallas Stars be a better defensive team in the one and a half years that he was there, uh, be a more reliable team offensively, and be a team at special teams. So however the Blues decide to use him, he is going to be a major weapon for this team, whether it's behind the bench or is the eye in the sky, because he's a former NHL coach and you always want those voices on your, on your team. Yeah, I mean that guy was a hell of an NHL coach during his during his tenure. So just to kind of be able to uh, reap the benefits that'll be able to help uh, help cheap behind the bench is going to be definitely going to be something to monitor. Um, but uh, kind of switching things to on the more of the management side, the Blues lost a huge piece of the organization to Arizona this past week as they named Bill Armstrong their new general manager. Uh, did you see this as a matter of time before he gets a GM gig? And do you think the Blues are in a good spot to fill his void? as a director of amateur scouting and assistant GM from within, or will they need to go outside the organization to kind of, kind of fill that spot with, with the masterful job that Bill did? I think with, uh, from what Doug Armstrong has talked about guys, it looks like it's going to be at least this season from within. They have a couple of different guys who worked under Bill Armstrong, who had a lot of success working with some of these um, draft drafts and just kind of amateur scouting. So at least for the time being, it's going to be working from within. And then from there, I think it's just a matter of how the success goes with the amateur scouting. But, you know, it, of course it was something that I think a lot of people saw coming because, look, at the end of the day, when you have talented people in your front office, they're going to be desired in the NHL. And Bill Armstrong is a guy who I don't know as personally as some people do, but I've talked with a lot of people around the league and, of course, in the St. Louis Blues organization – and this is a guy who has worked his way from the AHL all the way up to the NHL in terms of an amateur scouter to somebody who was running scouts to somebody who everything when it comes to prospects goes through. And when you look at the success that Bill Armstrong has had in St. Louis, guys, let me give you some numbers with this because I, I was so fascinated when I went through and looked at this with Bill Armstrong. So in the 2010 draft, that was the last time the Blues had a pick before number 20. So they're the only team in the NHL to have a pick in the top 11 or to not have a top pick in the top 11 since 2011. 29 out of 31 teams have had multiple picks in the top 15 since 2011. And the Blues have a cup and the second best record in the NHL since 2011. So, I mean, those are just phenomenal numbers in itself. But to think about all of that and the prospects that Bill Armstrong has been able to find you know, you got the top guys like a Vladimir Tarasenko and a Jaden Schwartz, but then you got the guys that fly under the radar, like Colton Pareko that a lot of people missed out on, like a Sammy Blay that is going to be relied upon in the top six this upcoming season, a Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas. Um, this guy has been able to find diamonds in the rough, and that's what you need to have NHL success. So it's no surprise that Bill Armstrong is, go is going to the NHL, and I think it's a it's going to be a tough landing spot for him in Arizona because there's a lot of work to be done. But I think from, from the mindset that the Arizona Coyotes are going with in terms of having to be cheap with this pandemic and cutting some costs, he's the perfect guy for it because he finds these diamond in the roughs that can help an NHL team and not have to pay all of the money to. And I mean, especially starting off in Arizona, he's got no small task with, uh, with the whole uh, Taylor Hall situation. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. You know, I don't know if anybody really expected Taylor Hall to stay in Arizona. Um, even if that salary cap was going up and we didn't have a pandemic, I think Taylor Hall was going to explore his options because, look, Arizona got into the playoffs, guys, and they were a great team last year under Rick Tocchin, and I think they're a team on the rise. 
Um, unfortunately, now they're going to get hit with this pandemic and financial restraints. But, um, you know, Taylor Hall has been the guy relied upon among a lot of teams. He was the guy to be relied on in Edmonton, and it didn't work. He was the guy to be relied on in New Jersey, and it didn't work, although he won an MVP. And it was the same in Arizona. So I think Taylor Hall is the kind of guy that has to go somewhere and fly under the radar. He has to be like the second or the third in command on a team um, so that he doesn't have all of the pressure on him because he's a hell of a player. Somebody's going to pay him a lot of money to be on their team. But I think if anything right now, if you're Taylor Hall, you want Stanley Cup success. So watch for some contenders to go out there and and make the move for Taylor Hall because that's where I think he's going to be best at landing. You got Sam here right now, but I really cannot agree more with your insights on Bill. I mean, there's really no replacing a guy like that, just knowing the ins and outs of an organization and just uh, tremendous what he was able to do in St. Louis and obviously wishing him the best in Arizona. But shifting gears over to uh, a depth player of ours and one of a the more least flashy moves of the offseason so far. The Blues signed Jacob Della Rose, who was set to be a restricted free agent. It was over 700 k for one year, but I think there's really good value in this deal. Uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, you know what, guys, I like the deal. I think it's a, it's a smart move to have depth when it comes to the center position, when it comes to having a penalty killer. Um, and when it, has to, when it comes to somebody with NHL experience, I think that's what Doug Armstrong's doing. Look, it's no secret that they got a lot of decisions to be made when it comes to bringing back Alex Petrangelo and needing offense without Vladimir Tarasenko. And by no means am I saying that uh, De La Rose is, is going to be a, a filler for Vladimir Tarasenko. Like, those are two completely different players. But you got to look at it in the sense of if the Blues continue to try and shed salary, if they're going to bring Petro back, they're going to have to trade away somebody. And everyone keeps pointing to Tyler Bozak. I don't know if it's going to be as easy as people think it's going to be, but let's talk about it. Let's hypothetically say that the Blues are able to move Tyler Bozak. Well, what happens to your depth down the middle? Well, a lot of people look at Robert Thomas as a center. Yes, that's true, but they're going to need Thomas to be a winger with Vladimir Tarasenko because you're not going to have money to bring in a top six guy. So I think what De La Rose is going to be looked at as a guy who can play on the fourth-line center position because Ivan Barbashev might be shifted up to a third-line role or an Oscar Sundquist shifted up to a third-line role. So for $700,000 to get a player who has, you know, a little over 100 games played in the NHL, a player who was pivotal for the Blues in this postseason when it comes to penalty killing without all of their main penalty killers and had some very good face-off numbers. So, you know, again, I don't know if it's a move that people are going to be talking a lot about because there's a lot of other focus on the NHL offseason for the Blues. But I think De La Rosa is a guy who can be very important and impactful for this Blues team this upcoming season in terms of a fourth line role, a penalty kill role, and just some experience on that roster role. Yeah, and so now I guess it's time for the big fish, Alex Petrangelo's contract situation. <laughs> it's well well known by now, just even you know a few days later about what happened over this past weekend. And now it looks like this big ordeal is hang, uh, headed to free agency. Do you think this handled correctly? Or would you have liked to have seen this play out more in private? I'm sure both of both Doug Armstrong and uh, and Petro would have preferred this to, you know, not necessarily leak out like it did so much. No, you know what, guys? I think this is just kind of the way negotiations go. And look, I always tell people when they look at stuff like this, you got to think of both sides. And I was one that jumped to conclusions when I saw the report over the weekend of, you know, the Blues have told them to go a different route. And that, you know, they've, they've asked him to look at a, a deal and, it, you know, they didn't want him to look and agree to the terms before they could see it. You know, the reports are out there. 
But I always advise people to look at both sides of this. You know, you got you to put yourselves in Doug Armstrong's shoes right now. And these are tough decisions. You know, I think if there wasn't a pandemic and we're talking about $84, $85 million in a salary cap for next season, then I think this deal's done. And I don't even think we're having this conversation. But this, this changes some things. And at the end of the day, Doug Armstrong has to manage the money on a mid-market team. And I think that's something everybody needs to remember. You know, this isn't the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, the Bruins, and so on and so forth. It's a team that has a salary cap that has to abide by it. So it's not an easy place to be in. But on the other hand, guys, I mean, think about the the contract negotiations that, that have happened in pro sports and hockey over the last few years. Do teams want this stuff to publicly get out? Of course not. I, I don't think anybody wants this kind of um, commentary to go with what they're trying to accomplish. But on the other hand, I think you put it out there. And again, this is just my opinion and looking at it. I think you put it out there if you're Alex Petrangelo and his agency by making sure that people understand, look, however this goes, I wanted to be back in St. Louis. And at least that's the way I'm reading it. If this goes the direction of, well, Petro doesn't resign here and he's not a St. Louis blue come 2021 season. Well, then I think the reason you're seeing all of this come out in the open is because Petro and his agency want people to know, look, I was, I wanted to be a St. Louis blue. The ball is kind of in the blues court. But again, I always advise people don't be too hard on one side of this or look at it as the emotional, because I know people want Petro back, but there are two sides to every negotiation. I mean, look at what happened with Steven Stamkos and the Tampa Bay lightning a few years ago, guys, Tampa didn't want him back. They basically, they basically said, you know, Hey, that's a lot of money to ask for a guy who's going to be 30 the beginning of this new contract, you know, let us think about this. And Stamkos wasn't happy. Stamkos went to free agency. He asked around. Teams were interested. Why wouldn't they be for a first overall pick? But at the end of the day, Tampa understood that Stamkos was a franchise player, and Stamkos understood that he built a legacy in Tampa and wanted to remain there. So, you know, look at it that way. And, you know, side note, Stamkos and Petro are good friends. So you just never know with something like this. But um, I think it's an interesting scenario, and I think it's something that is going to take us to October 9th and keep a lot of people on pins and needles. So, yeah, if if you per se had to put your had to put your money somewhere, would you say this could possibly be like kind of a Stamco situation where Petro takes it to free agency? Well, they get to free agency, and he tests the waters, and he ends up uh, he ends up coming back home and staying where his, where his heart is, or or maybe ends up or signs with another team, or just or how the whole situation uh, will play out in general, where, where would you, where would, uh, where would your money be at? You know, it's so hard to, to do that too, guys, because, you know, there's so many emotions into this other than the dollars and the years you got Petro and his, uh, his triplets and the new baby girl that was just born into the family, his wife being from St. Louis, you know, I, I this entire off season have said, you know, comfortably that Petro will be back. Um, you know, to put a percentage on it, I've stayed at 95% for a long time. Uh, after the reports that we saw over the weekend, I, I do think it dropped down to about 75%. I'm still optimistic, and maybe it is the optimist in me, that Petro stays in St. Louis because of the legacy that he has built here. And I think both sides understand how important this guy is. I mean, heck, he just finished fourth in Norris Trophy votes yep. this season, and he's 30 years old. Um, but you know, I think you can put the percentage on it and people can look at it however they want, but there is a respect factor to it. And, you know, we had Chris Pronger on ribs and BK, 
um, last week, of course, who wasn't traded away, or yeah, well, he was traded away. He wasn't a free agent and allowed to walk. He was traded because of an organization situation, but it was something that Chris Pronger said that, you know, he felt he was disrespected when he was traded away, and that built a little bit there. I, I think you can see a little bit, bit of that with Alex Petrangelo because you can hear the frustration right now. I mean, he said that he's thought that this should have been done when they won the Stanley Cup and the negotiations should have gone to that point. Um, so, you know, I think there's some I think there's some feelings that have been disrupted through all of this, which makes things a little bit harder. But again, it's a business on Doug Armstrong's side, and that's where he's going with this. He's been a great businessman for the St. Louis Blues. He hasn't made deals that have bit this team in the rear end. But on the other hand, Petro's got a lot of things to decide too, and I think the respect factor comes into this. So I'm still optimistic that this gets done with Petro, but I do think it's a, it's a very real possibility that when free agency comes calling and other teams reach out to him and he feels like he's wanted, then I think that could really spark the interest of Petro and his family to move away and go somewhere else. Yeah, so Alex, we know from your previous shows that you at this current state are highly on the retain Petro train. I, however, unlike the other two, have been kind of hesitant about the Petro contract considering it could end up leading to some potential cap hell of some sorts down the road. And I mean, more than likely he's a declining asset as well, looking down the road a little bit, like with years to come. Um, I'm curious what your rebuttal would sound like and like what you would have to say to someone like me that is kind of on the fence about this whole thing. Yeah, you know what? I um, you know, I think a lot of people look at it that way of and I have seen people, I've heard from people that say, Well, you can't get too emotional in this, you know, he's he's a thirty year old defenseman and you don't want to put yourself in cap hell. And I respond to that by saying, Go back and look at defensemen in the NHL that have been successful and been considered a top five defenseman in the NHL. Because I think all of us can agree, you know, the three of you, myself and our listeners and Alex Petrangelo is a top five defenseman in the NHL. I mean, the, the voting itself just showed on the Norris that he's at least number four in terms of NHL writers. Um, so with that being said, go look at other NHL defensemen at the time of 30-plus. You know, I'll give you a couple of examples. Chris Pronger, guys, from 30 years old on, he went to a Stanley Cup final with, with the Edmonton Oilers. He won a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. He went to a Stanley Cup final with the Philadelphia Flyers. Al McKennis won a Norris Trophy with the St. Louis Blues when he was a 30-plus-year-old defenseman. Nick Lidstrom won two Stanley Cups and went to a couple of other finals and won a couple of Norris Trophies all in that time frame. So it comes down to sustainability. And Alex Petrangelo has given people zero reasons to doubt that he can stay healthy at the age of 30, 31, 32, all the way to 37 or 38 years old. So with that being said, I don't know if you put yourself in a bad situation because you're keeping an elite defenseman for six, seven years at the age that he'll be at. And that eighth year, you know, maybe he's not the best Alex Petrangelo. Maybe he's not the best five defensemen in the NHL then. But I can guarantee you he's going to be one of the best defensemen on the Blues at the age of 36, 37, 38 years old. So that's my one look at it. My other look at this, guys, is how many elite defensemen are on this team right now? And I think people may say Colton Pareko is an elite defenseman. I don't believe he's there yet. I think he is damn close to being an elite defenseman. 
but he's not there yet. He's only played his fifth year in the NHL. And if you look at Alex Petrangelo in his first five years, he wasn't an elite defenseman. He was a great defenseman. So Colton Pareko is going to get there. But wouldn't you like to have two elite defensemen on an NHL team rather than just one elite defenseman? So I think with Alex Petrangelo, people look at that and say, well, you can't get too emotional. You don't want to hurt yourself. But I think with Alex Petrangelo, you're only making yourself better. Let's live in a world for a couple of minutes, guys, without Alex Petrangelo. Are we all comfortable with saying that your one-two punch of defenseman is Colton Pareko and, and Justin Falk? Because your defensive core next year without Petro is going to be Pareko, Falk, Bortuzzo on the right side, Scandella, Gunnarsson, Dunn on the left side with Mikola and Perunovic right below those two. To me, that's a good defensive group, not the best defensive group in the NHL or in the Central Division by that argument. So I think if you don't have Petro, the identity of this team changes, and that's a major hit to a Stanley Cup champion last year and a team that was pushing for it this year. So I get people's question of do they really need Petro, but I'll say this, for $8.5 million, which is what I think you can get him locked up at, you turn yourself from a Stanley Cup champion to a team that might not make the playoffs without Petro. Yeah, like what you were saying with uh, Colton Preco, how he's he's not there yet, but he's getting there to to eventually earn that title of an elite defenseman. Personally, like in, in the defensive zone is where the, is where he shines. It's just in the nature of uh, shutting people down. But the offensive part of his game is something that still needs to develop a little bit more um, to where Petro kind of is with his with his game. Yeah, and, you know, I think people look at that and say, okay, well, Colton Break was not great offensively. Well, Justin Falk will be great offensively for the team because he was a great offensive defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes, and I agree upon that. I think if you legitimately think about it without Petrangelo, you can make the argument that the team is still a very good team with Pareko as your number one defenseman and Falk as your number two defenseman. But then I get to the conversation of the other teams in the Central. And, guys, it is not easy to make the playoffs. I mean, I mean, heck, look, they had to expand the NHL playoffs this year, and some teams were in it that may have missed it, and they were successful. So without Petrangelo on this team, and, again, this is an elite defenseman, guys. Among anybody you ask in the NHL, he is a top-five defenseman. Without that, do you really think the Blues are going to find ways to beat Colorado next year with a team that's on the rise? Are they going to be able to beat the team that's in the Stanley Cup final right now up one nothing on Tampa? I don't know. I don't know if they can beat Nashville with as good of a defensive unit as they have. It's not going to be an easy task without Petrangelo because you really have to turn your thinking of the identity of this team. Uh, for me, the identity of this team with Petro is a, de is a defensive first team. They may not score five goals. They may, heck, they may not score three goals in a game. But I can guarantee you that if they score two goals, it's going to be damn hard for the opposition to score two goals to tie things up with Bennington in that defense. Without Petrangelo, I think the team shifts from a decent defensive team, but a team that is going to have to outscore their mistakes because they have a lot of youth on the defensive side. And without Tarasenko for the first month or two, depending on when the season starts, that's a team that's going to be lacking offense. So I think Petro's a guy who can play on the – I mean, think about it, guys. He's a guy who can play offense, defense, power play, penalty kill. When you're up by three, when you're down by three, when you need a goal, when the goalie's pulled. I mean, he plays in every avenue of this team, and I just don't know if you can say that you're comfortable with that of Justin Falk and Colton Pareko. 
Right. And then uh, another thing to consider with this whole situation is the buyout period opens this Friday and will run through October 8th. Uh, do you foresee management pursuing this route to free up some cap space? I know we talked about the possibility of mo moving Tyler Bozak, which still has some trade value there, but uh, many Blues fans have uh, tinkered with the idea of possibly buying someone out like Alexander Steen to try and keep Petrangelo. Uh, one thing to remember is this is something that Armstrong has never done in St. Louis, and I just wanted to see your thoughts on if, uh, if you think this is even a possibility. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a great point. That's a very important thing for people to, to note. Doug Armstrong has never bought a player out in his time as the Blues general manager. Heck, I don't even know if he bought anybody out when he was with the Dallas Stars organization. He does not believe in buyouts. And I, I see where he's coming from, to be honest. And I know a lot of people look at Alexander Steen, but I think it's a desperation look of, oh, well, you've got to get Petro signed. These are the only ways possible. Well, that's not true. I mean, look, let's be honest here. If you buy out Alexander Steen, guys, you're going to have to pay him money still. He's going to affect your cap to the amount of three, three and a half million, I believe. So you're really only saving yourself $2 million. And with a Jake Allen trade and then buying out Alexander Steen, you're still two or $3 million short of having enough money to get Alex Petrangelo signed in and Vince Dunn. And I think that's another thing for people to remember. Petro's not the only one that's a free agent. Vince Dunn's a restricted free agent and he's going to be due two to $3 million this off season. So I understand where people want to buy out Alexander Steen, but for me, to the amount of $3 million, which is what you're going to be paying him to not be on your team, or $5 million to be on your team, and that $2 million in between doesn't bring back Alex Petrangelo, I'd rather keep him on my team. Guys, we saw how important he was in the Stanley Cup final for the Blues, and you saw what the Blues were missing when he didn't play in the playoffs this year. So for $5 million, which, look, I understand that's a lot of money to pay a guy to play on the fourth line, but I'd rather pay him $5 million to be effective for me in the season than pay him $3 million to be effective on another team and still not have enough money to bring back Alex Petrangelo. If you're going to buy out Steen, you're still going to have to trade away another player. I'd rather trade away another player and keep Alexander Steen on my team and have that leadership and veteran um, mindset on the bench and on the ice. I do love that insight, though, because Steen really is more than just a player, like an older, savvy veteran like he is on the ice. He's kind of like a locker room guy, and, you know, there's many young guys in the room that really look up to him. But let's kind of piggyback off that, and let's say Armstrong and company stay true to their commitment and not overpay for Petro. Where do you see this team going this offseason with the new freed-up cap space, and what would you want to see the team target in particular? You know, it's 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 a funny question, guys. Uh, I heard it asked earlier today, and the in the person that we were talking to, Luke Korak, responded with another question. Now, I'll elaborate on this, but the question I would ask is, where can they go? Uh, let's look at it that way. So, no Alex Petrangelo. You can't get the money signed. So, I think in that sense, you look at what the cap room is right now for this Blues team, and it's about $6 million. So with that $6 million, you're going to have to lock up Vince Dunn. So that's going to probably be somewhere between 2 to $3 million. So guys, with that other 2 to $3 million, and we all know Doug Armstrong likes to keep himself $1 million to kind of fluctuate and be flexible with, that's not a lot to do right there. So in a hypothetical world, if Petro's not in St. Louis, I don't know if you see a whole lot of moves for this Blues team. I think you're going to see a bigger role for Robert Thomas. He's going to be a top six forward for you in the absence of Vladimir Tarasenko. Jordan Cairo is going to get a shot to be a top six forward. Sammy Blay is going to get a shot at being a top six forward. And Zach Sanford's going to get a shot at being a top six forward. 
they want to know what they have internally, and I think that's what you're looking at for this team. Um, you know, you go through the depth of that. You, you got a guy like Clint Costin in the minors who needs a shot. Austin Pagansky is going to get a shot. Sunquist is going to get a bigger role. It's it, kind of a trickle-down effect, guys. And then the defensemen. You know, I know this team's very high on Nico Mikola, and this team's very high on Scott Perunovic. So they're going to look to those guys to, to carry a major load for this team while Pareko and Justin Falk become the one-two punch for this Blues team. So I, I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I, do, I think even if Petrangelo doesn't happen, there's not going to be this, this, uh, this franchise-altering move um, to offset that loss. Now, with that being said, does Doug Armstrong still approach this offseason by saying, okay, but we're still going to find a way to shed this salary. Maybe we find a way to trade away Tyler Bozak. Or maybe with that being said, we do buy out Alexander Steen. Again, I'm just throwing hypotheticals out here, guys. If they open up more money uh, other than the $6 million before Vince Dunn's re-signed and Trangelo's not back here, then I can see this team going after a top six forward. You know, I don't think it's going to be Taylor Hall because I think Hall's going to get somewhere between 6 and $8 million. But a guy like Mike Hoffman intrigues me. I think it's a power play guy. It's a right-handed shot. It's a guy who can give you 25 goals. And when Tarasenko returns, it's somebody who can play on the second line for you and create a lot of offense. If that's an option, um, I think there can be trade possibilities out there because there are going to be some teams that need to shed some salary. But don't be surprised if there's a player that kind of flies under the radar that hasn't been you know, a, a dominant goal scorer at the NHL level yet, but just needs a change of scenery. Because I think Doug Armstrong is very good at that job of evaluating talent and giving them a second chance. Um, so I don't, I don't foresee a major move for this Blues team with or without Petrangelo. But if without Petrangelo, I, I do see Doug Armstrong at least still evaluating what he can do in terms of adding a different player. Yeah, we were just actually discussing that amongst us the other day with that specific player, Mike Hoffman, um, you know, saying if Petro were to move on, we, we like the idea of him playing in, in Tarasenko's spot on that Schwartz and Shen line because, I mean, essentially he's – He's just a, a different kind of Tarasenko. He's an he's an automatic twenty five goals. I believe five of the last six years he's had twenty five plus. In the year he didn't was low twenties. So he, he's a different kind of Tarasenko. He's obviously not the power the power forward that Tarasenko is, but he still puts up you know numbers just beneath him in the goal scoring department. So um, yeah, that that definitely intrigues us as well. Um, lastly, we have two STL guys battling it out in the Stanley Cup final. We got Patty Maroon. And even though this guy's been unfit to play, uh, it'd still be nice to see him be able to hoist the cup. Ben Bishop, um, game two of the cup final is actually getting ready to start here soon. Uh, how do you see this series playing out? And uh, how, who, if there is a difference here, who do you want to see win? And who do you think will win? Uh, boy, I've, I've been intrigued by the Dallas Stars guys. Um, you know, I, I was one along with Joe Vitale. We host a hockey show weekly on 101 ESPN. And we both have said from the start of this playoffs there's no way Dallas is going to have any success and lo and behold Anton Hudobin has been the Jordan Bennington of this year and upsetting the two favorites to win a cup the Colorado Avalanche um, and the Vegas Golden Knights and now leading Tampa Bay one to nothing before the start of game number two here on Monday night um, you know Dallas is a fun team to watch but it's it's hard for me to root for because of guys like Jamie Benn and to be honest with you guys, any team in the Central Division is hard to root for if it's not the St. Louis Blues, and I think a lot of people have that feeling as well. You know, call me a homer or call me whatever you want. It's just it's something that's implanted in you that 
when you're around the Blues and, and you broadcast for the Blues or you root for the Blues, it's hard to root for another team. But I will say this. Ben Bishop is a guy that I've talked to numerous times. He is a, he's a wonderful man. He's an incredible hockey player. And he's a guy that I think a lot of people in St. Louis are rooting for because he's just had an unfortunate career. Now, look, this guy's won a Vezina. He's been to a Stanley Cup champion or final before with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he was a hell of a goalie last year. It's just unfortunate because he just can't stay healthy, unfortunately, at the right times. Or he's been upset like last year when he was healthy and he was just a monster in net. So he's a guy to root for. Um, you know, Pat Maroon is the exact same way, guys. I mean, I loved what he did last year. He was so fun to cover in that Blues locker room, being the hometown kid or hometown hero, as he likes to remind people. Um, Tampa's a fun team. Tampa reminds me a lot of the St. Louis Blues, and Tampa's a team that um, has been so lucky with their drafts by finding diamonds in the rough. So with both sides and evaluating the way that they have both played, um, I don't know if there's a really a team that I'm rooting for, but I think if I had to choose one, I would pick the Tampa Bay Lightning, mostly because they're not in the Central. And, uh, you know, a guy like Pat Maroon, you want to see continue to have success. And then, of course, John Cooper with his St. Louis ties. So um, that's kind of my rooting interest right now. But I will say this, Dallas has been incredible. Um, I don't know if that can be sustained even with the return of Steven Stamkos, but if Anton Hudobin continues to play like this, I don't see how Tampa can win this series because Hudobin has just been a uh, he's been a, bl- a brick wall in between the pipes. But my estimate has been a, a six-game series with Dallas coming away with it, but I'd like to see Tampa come away with it. Well, Alex, we want to thank you for taking the time to give your thoughts on how this team could look uh, in the upcoming season and how this offseason could shake out. Uh, if you don't follow Alex on Twitter, make sure to go ahead and do so at Ferrario101ESPN and obviously check, check out his radio shows on 101ESPN uh, radio station. Once again, thanks, Alex, for joining the show and uh, have fun watching some the last of the hockey we have for the, last, uh, for the next few months. Definitely, guys. It was fun to, to talk a little hockey with both with all three of you. Uh, continue the great work on the podcast, and I look forward to getting the chance to talk again with you guys soon. Awesome. Great. Thanks, appreciate it, man. For real. Thanks. Thanks, Definitely, Alex. Guys. Appreciate Good your stuff. time. Definitely. Anytime you guys need something, let me know. Awesome. All right. All right. We want to take the time to thank Alex for joining the show again. Um, really enjoyed his insight. Hope you guys did too. Um, at the end of the day, he can only make you smarter. So I uh, love that. Um, it was an awesome interview before we move on any farther. Yeah. I would, I would like to just point out that we've done some pretty cool interviews lately, especially in the last six months with some people that I never thought we'd get the chance to talk to like kind of one-on-one and shockingly enough, I think that was one of the more fun ones to to sit down and do because he was a cool ass guy, and like I would talk to him any day of the week. I think they have the best uh, hockey show too. If you are into local radio, um, you know I I know the podcast world's kind of taken over, and you know I'm a big podcast guy too. But when I do get the chance, like it on my lunch break or whatever, um, him and Jamie Rivers, along with uh, Brandon Kylie, they're definitely obviously with the former NHL are on the on the show. Um, Definitely the best radio show for for hockey in St. Louis daily radio radio show that is, because um, I don't know I don't I don't listen to Cam's Cam show because that's AM radio and AM radio is puke. AM radio sounds horrific. 
It's a big Scott Avenue. I'm just not ready to go down. <laughs> no. So is Andy Strickland's show. He does Hockey Sense, which is, I think, just on Fridays. And uh, his is AM2. It's so hard to listen to. It's so just hard to listen to. The quality is just not there, man. <laughs> uh, anyways, we are in the midst of the Stanley Cup final. Game two was last night. We are tied up 1-1. Um, how do we see this shaking out? I know Sammy's big Dallas and six guy. Mark's a big Lightning and seven guy, I think. That is correct. I think I'm leaning Dallas, but... I've said it in the in our group text. I'm leaning Dallas. I got to stay with Dallas uh, now that my Islanders are out. But uh, how about that scumbag Patty Maroon? <laughs> Fucking shooting pucks into benches? What's this guy thinking? Yeah, he just kind of flipped it at him. <laughs> Fuck, that was funny. It's a roller move, dude. It totally is a roller move. You see it happen every other game in a roller tournament. I'm tell- I'll am tell you what, man. Pucks are flying into benches all the time at roller. Sometimes you just got to stick to your roots, and that's what Patty was doing there. We back him completely. <laughs> did you see well I know you did Mark Sammy did you watch that video I sent of him getting fucking walked by John Klingberg yeah but John Klingberg hey, wants a lot of people yeah, yeah he does that He's to a, a lot of guys hell of a player but he I just, just had to do that, big rig like that Tough. Scene. I just think it's funny that it just happened to be Pat <laughs> just, it kind of looks like that could happen to half of his team but it just happened to be him yeah just literally just it, it was just like kind of backpedal like Pat was coming in hard as shit on him and just a little backpedal say a Roller move right there. You he knew what he was doing there. He just oh, like baited yeah. him in and then just like see ya. No, honestly, <laughs> we're not giving enough credit to Pat for not even falling. Guy didn't even fall. Oh, I mean, dude, slammed on the brake. Half the league's falling check. right there. Do you think yeah. that guy's stopping on a dime like Jane Schwartz? I mean, no. So this is no J Bo we're talking about here. This is Pat Maroon, big boy. You know, stop getting back on the play after getting completely beat in the defensive zone. Love it. That's what I, I love never most. Get you saw the back check. Yeah, that's what you it, need. It was there. It was an ah fuck. I got walked. I'll sit here. <laughs> Maybe an ah fuck on the way back, but uh. Yeah, let me do my circle and come back. <laughs> Another thing to digest before we wrap this up with a few notes. Uh, big rig debate apparently, which yeah, I think is bullshit. That? The NHL tweeted that yeah. Jamie Alexiak or Pat Maroon, who's the real big rig? I, I mean, what is it. that? I mean, he's been the big rig since Edmonton. It's been pre- it's pretty obvious who the real big rig is. And I mean, it just makes sense, right? Yeah. I, I, mean, I believe he got that because of you know oil, oil rig, right? yeah, oil, oil rig. Yes, exactly. That is exactly why. Because I mean, before that, he was the big dog, let the big dog eat. But now he's big Rick. So, and before that, Fat Pat. So hey, yeah, yeah we've P- progressed. Ph Pat. <laughs> so I I do remember, but you might have to fact check me on this going through nhl like nhl's poster at looking through some of the comments after who's the big rig all the senators fans were so triggered because apparently the big rig chris phillips is chris <laughs> phillips yeah dude and apparently that's their big rig and was always big rig so i don't know if i don't know if either of these guys are the real big rig but for for our purpose it's absolutely pat maroon i don't see any other way around it as the uh Biggest Senators fan in the city of St. Louis. I don't know if that's true because I was not a Senators fan back then. <laughs> right. So, hey, uh, as far as far as the biggest Senators fan in St. Louis take, I, I'll get behind you on that one. That's like actual. <laughs> I don't know who else is. I mean, there's probably, probably some with Brady. Chuck. With Brady, <laughs> there's probably some, but you know. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. But uh, a couple news uh, notes here to wrap up NHL draft round one. 
Uh, we'll have to watch this. I think. I think. We're oh, gonna have definitely to watch will. This. Yeah, dude. Together. Dude, uh, that fucking Askarov kid might go fucking top like eight. I saw Peter McGuire talking about that. He that's is a goalie, fucked. Russian goalie. Yes. And, yes. Uh, so we'll see. But that's uh, set to begin October sixth, so just a couple weeks from now, and then free agency is going to begin um, October 9th. So hey, we're getting down to it. Off season's about to start. Obviously, we have to award the cup first. Um, but that stuff's coming. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. This guy's not making it to free agency anytime soon. Jonas Brodeen, seven years, $42 million, $6 million AAV with Minnesota. Um, I could be wrong, but wasn't it just within like the last year or two that he was on the trade block like heavily? I, 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 feel, like, I feel like this guy's been like, and I heard Bill Guerin today on uh, Hockey Central's podcast. Uh, he was talking about him. You know, he had plenty of great things to say about him. But he mentioned, like, that's the guy that everybody wants from Minnesota because of his skating ability. And so, whatever. They have um, really good defensive skaters in Minnesota. I mean, they have, obviously, Ryan Suter, who's just, who's just a great defenseman, always has been since his fucking first game of the NHL. Dude just fits. Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, just all guys that can skate with a pretty nice set of mitts on each and every one of them. I mean, you wonder – what they would look like if they had a real forward unit. Yeah, you really do. I mean, they well, that's the focus a- here, and uh, we'll see. I don't know. There's we a lot will of the- see because I'm, we're, not, Russian kid? we're not going down that lane right oh, now. That oh, horrible. my fuck. Isn't it like Kaprasov or something? Yep. Yeah, Kaprasov. Ka- Ka- Kapril Kaprasov, I think is his name. He is disgusting. He's in World Juniors. He literally took over the tournament. Yeah, it was him and Lafreniere. Literally, just made the tournament their bitch. It was ridiculous. And my guy Shane Pinto, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> couple things here. Uh, one, we talked about the Minnesota forward group. That got worse, in my opinion, just the other day. Eric Stahl moved to Buffalo. I think that's a good move for them, actually. Um, a reliable guy to play down the middle, um, to where Jack Eichel doesn't have to do everything. You still got to do a lot, but not everything. They flipped him for Marcus Johansson, one for one. And apparently Marcus Johansson is going to play center for the Wilds. So we'll see how that goes. That guy's been everywhere, man. That guy's been all over the place. I mean, he was okay with uh, Jersey. like, Or was it? No, it was Washington. Washington, Washington. he was gross yeah, and yeah. got a deal with Jersey. And then it was like, all right. Then to Buffalo, and now he's in fucking Minnesota. Uh, only only a uh, couple other guys in the league were number 90 outside of Ryan O'Reilly and Marcus Johansson is one of them. Uh, in my in my eyes, it's like a... Uh, I'm shocked Buffalo gave it to him. But then again, 90 fair. didn't do anything for him. He fair. said, fuck you. It's just a shitty organization. That's fair. It's like a lower end skill guy, you know, a guy who can like put up 30 points, like at the very most 35, 40 points, Marcus Johansson. And then that's if you put him with like, the perfect lines and it's going to be tough to do on Minnesota, but Hey, we'll see. And that's basically for straight up Eric Stahl, savvy veteran. It's going to be nice for Jack Eichel to learn, uh, learn the two way road because he's an all gas, no brakes kind of guy. So. Facts. Uh, last thing to wrap up with Minnesota, apparently Matt Dumba could potentially be on the move. Um, and I, I, again, want to reference the Bill Guerin conversation today. It has a lot to do with the way that they were asking the questions um, not that they want to move off of him, but because of the expansion draft next offseason. Um, they, if they were to take the 7-3-1 route, 7 forwards, 3-D, 1 goalie protection route, I mean, they are they have Spurgeon, Brodeen, 
and I guess Ryan Suter that they're banking on protecting. I don't know. Um, but there's four guys there with only three spots to be protected. So I guess this would help them. And then they could sure up the forward group uh, in that trade, I would think. But I think they'd be dumb to move off. Jeez, uh, they'd be dumb to move off Matt Dumba. But uh, because I think he's a very good player, um, obviously. I've seen a lot of smoke with him to Vancouver. So we'll see. They're still young, that too. Would, I mean, dude, I'd. I can't believe we got – I'm sorry, Mark. I can't believe we got stuck on the topic of Minnesota decor, but you brought up Jonas Brodeen, nice little ticket. They're like – they got a young decor outside of Ryan Suter. Like, it's it's almost still kind of promising if they were able to keep all those guys together somehow. Dude, I think – and kind of rotating that, if, if Vancouver adds Dumba, like, pff, that decor would be gross. They'd be getting somewhere. That's kind of what yeah, Vancouver needs is more I think defensive Tanev, I think Tanev's a free agent. That's so, not good. If they acquire Dumba, I don't know if Tanev's back. So it's kind of just one. Tanev works so well with with Hughes though, which so that that'd be a guy I'd be trying to lock up if I was a uh, if I was Vancouver. Maybe for just Quinn's sake, you want to keep that guy it's around just I'm for saying. his sake. Yes, yeah. exactly, because it works so well. You know why? Why fucking change it? Kind of thing with Jabo. If he if he was still around and wanted to go one more year, I think we'd keep him around for Colton Preco's sake, wouldn't you think? Yeah. If he if he if he was ready to go and willing to go, but I don't think that's the case. So. No, I was saying like if he was still a beast oh, yeah, and the best absolutely. skater in the league like he always was, and yeah. just an absolute deer on skates. Literally. Last couple things here, all coaching news. Jeff Ward uh, finished out the year in Calgary. So did Bob Bugner with San Jose. Both of them were named full-time head coach. Uh, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I figured San Jose would probably move off of an interim coach, but being that there's a, a lot of good names on the market. I would have shoved one up Vegas's hoop and hired Gerard Gallant. Yeah, I mean, fuck. fuck. <laughs> but, hey, never know. Uh, roster matters, and if, if they think Bugner's their guy, Bugner's their guy. Um, and Jeff Ward, obviously, was able to take the Flames into the playoffs and make a little bit of noise there. I mean, realistically, they should have beaten Dallas. So, hey, who knows what uh, where they could be right now if uh, they were able to do that. The big one, Peter Laviolette, um, to Washington, which, whatever. I, he's one of my least favorite coaches in the league, so I really don't want to talk much about him. Fair. Move on. <laughs> it's a lot to do with Nashville. Obviously, it does, but I don't know. He's just, I don't know. Something about him rubs me the wrong way. He's a good coach, but something about him rubs me the wrong way. Last thing, Blues jersey giveaway winner was uh, Brian, is his name, uh, at BP Bleeds Blue. A whole six followers, so shout out to that guy. Let's get that guy's follower number out. Why don't we? I mean, yeah, fuck, fuck, you could use it. Uh, but we do want to thank everyone for entering. There was over 400 uh, entries in that. And what I'm That's speaking- insane. Yeah, That's and insane. Wh- and what I'm speaking to uh, is, you know, we are going to buy a buy a Blues jersey for somebody, an authentic Blues jersey, player of their choice, uh, jersey of their choice. Uh, Brian is the winner. Um, and we hope to continue to do you know, some sort of giveaways on, on Twitter periodically. We don't want to turn into Blues Buzz blog because that'd be tough. Fuck them. Um, where they just operate their account solely off giveaways that are rigged towards their friends. But, uh, you know. <clears throat> Do them periodically. And obviously, they're not always going to be jerseys. We just got a little extra free coin that hit the bank account. So, hey, why not put it, pay it forward? Right. And for real, want to thank everybody that entered that giveaway. Uh um, just over over 400 entries and over 200 like 250 new followers too. 
to our Twitter account. So again, thank you very, very, very much for all the for the support on that giveaway and everything. And like like we said, we'll be uh we'll be hooking Brian up with the jersey here at some point whenever we can fucking find a ninety jersey because apparently it's hard as shit to find. Why wouldn't he want a ninety jersey though? What a class response! I, you could have said anyone on the Blues roster. Nope, I want our. I want our future captain, Ryan O'Reilly. Is, are we going to get the C on it for him? <laughs> or are we going to make him do that himself? I'm curious. We'll have to, we'll have to do that himself. Just I, I got to say, the only person I would have respected more him picking is Oscar Sundquist. That's fair. That's fair. There's no arguing that. That's a good point, Kels. It, it depends on how much he loves guys that eat pucks, and I'd love a 41J, but, uh, but yeah, for real. Thank you I guys mean, that so guy's going to be gone fucking, fucking real soon, though. So, I mean... Relax. Yeah, seriously crazy though. Four hundred plus people entering in that. I mean, that's that's crazy. How much that like reached out to people and how many people took the time to like repost that and like retweet and follow and stuff. But yeah, we should definitely do more of those because that's fun and uh, it is nice to hook someone up. You know, whether it's just like a hat or some shit. You know, it's just uh, it feels good. You know, and we're a feel good podcast. Uh, The Jake Allen feel good podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're still gonna talk about that guy. I don't care if he's gone. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, this just came to my mind before we get out of here. It's September 22nd. I believe it comes out mid, mid October. Hey, streams are back soon, boys. Yeah, I would like they to fucking think. are. Yeah. So twitch.tv slash STL blues chirp. No, is that STL right? STL chirp. STL chirp. Okay. Yep. Twitch.tv slash STL chirp. We're going to be locked and loaded on there here soon enough. So, um, we have to kill time here in this new off season. So I think that's going to be our avenue. So. Yeah, a we'll lot of a inter- lot of inter- entertainment brought on that on that stream. I mean, you'll yeah. be hard pressed to find me a more entertaining fucking hockey stream. Well, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, boys. Have a good one. Till next time, let's go Blues. Yeah.